I'll go ahead and get started because, I mean, I missed a week, so I got a lot to say. Oh, well, I preached one of those weeks, so <laughs> you guys got lucky there. Uh, anyway, uh, I think this is probably about the most cliche sermon title uh, in the world. 2020 Vision, I do believe, and if you just go through this next slide, every church in America has been waiting for the year 2020 so we could preach this series. It's the beginning of the year, and we're going to talk about 2020 Vision. I mean, it's, it's too perfect. Like, I think kids in Bible school are waiting for the year 2020 so we could talk about vision because, I mean, it just fits so well. I did a Google search, and I'm telling you, there were like a thousand different PowerPoint slides with 2020 vision that lots and lots of churches have, have gone through. And I'm, I'm a little bit behind the curve, right? I missed the last Sunday in, in, in December and the first Sunday in January. I'm like late on the, on the ball. And so in my heart, I knew I had to get this started to catch up with everybody else. I mean, all the other pastors are going to be way far ahead of me on, on their vision series, and I'm just getting started. And how many of you know that we figure things out, and then we get this, but God? I mean, I was there. I had my, my series figured out. I mean, this is easy. I'm coming back from vacation. I know right what I'm going to be going into. I'm going to be preaching vision. And then God talked. By God. You know, when we left, I, I told several people in this room, I'm going back to Kentucky, and one thing I will not do is preach. I said that, but God. So we're driving. Uh, I literally didn't even bring my Bible with me so I'd have an excuse. I've got it on my phone and my iPad, but I didn't have my Bible with me so I'd have an excuse, right? I mean, but God. So we're somewhere west of Sioux City, Iowa, and Tam says, uh, we were talking about, we were going to go to church when we were home, and she said, well, I've been thinking about singing. So I said, well, why don't you message our home church, the church that I was on staff at, and see, you know, the kids in my youth group, their dad's the pastor now, see if you can sing while we're there. Put the ball in her court, right? I mean, seriously, that's easy. It's Sunday night, Monday, I get a phone call from the pastor's son. Hey, Dad was wondering if you wanted to preach this Sunday. But God, they're going to Gallenberg. He's not even going to be there. And he didn't have anybody to fill the pulpit. But God, but God used it. And, and again, what I love about the but gods is when God's in something, something incredible happens. And so we were able to preach that, that Sunday, uh, of course, the Sunday that you guys didn't have church. I was preaching. But God. When God directs something, it's just incredible what he does. And so we were able to preach at the, the church that I was on staff at, the church that Tim was raised in. Um, and I guess 70 people that are no longer in that church heard that we were preaching over the course of the week. And, and they all came in. And there was a group of people that had not been in that church in a long time that were there. And God spoke a message to that people that was for that people that wouldn't have happened other than the direction of God. And so when God starts speaking, I want to hear. So when he says, but, okay, I want to be obedient. And so I thought I was preaching vision, but, but the reality was God, God started to talk to me. There's a proverb that says, 
you know, without vision, people perish. That's what the Proverbs say. And so, yeah, this is an important topic. It's important that we know exactly where we're going or the direction that God is, is leading us. But, but God started to stir in my heart about, you know, I said without vision, people perish. But sometimes I think with too much vision, people forget. In every church in America, I think, you know, Tanner, I was in a meeting with some other pastors, and one guy said, I'm preaching on vision, 2020 vision. The guy said, I'm preaching that too, like he was surprised. I mean, seriously, every church in America, that's what we're doing right now. And God challenged my heart, and he said, you know, as pastors, we want to get to where we're going. And and we have these things where the calendar turns, and we're just about where we're going. This is where we're going. We're going here, we're going here, we're going here. And as pastors, it's important that I keep us going somewhere. I get it. But God said, how much are people forgetting? How much are people forgetting of what I've, I've done? And so before we get to 2020 vision, God challenged me with the reality that hindsight is 2020. 2020 vision. But before we start looking at where we're going, we need to see where we came from. Hindsight is absolutely 2020. And sometimes I think we, we forget. We fail to recognize. We fail to see all that, that God has, has done until a Facebook memory pops up of something that happened five years ago. And we're like, oh Yeah. We were in a conference and, and the speaker was, was talking about memory. And he was talking, he was a, I don't know, he's a clinical psychologist, I guess. As well. I, don't, I don't know, titles on people. Tanner was there, that's why I was looking at him. I'm not like crazy looking at someone to answer me that wouldn't know. <laughs> but he was talking about memory and he said, you know, we have these, these types of memory. Some is sensory and some is short term and some is long term. And he was talking about how you kind of transition from from, from sensory, which I think he said was two seconds of remembrance, versus short-term memory, which is about 20 seconds of, of memory, versus long-term memory, which is something that you absolutely can't forget. And my thought as a pastor is, I think that, that vision is imperative. I think it's important that we continue our eyes moving forward, and I want to keep going forward. But, but God challenged me with the reality that there's some remembering to do today. There's some looking back that we need to do before we, we move forward to where He wants us to go because there's some maybe short-term memories that are there that need to become long-term memories. They need to become things that we can hold on to. Why am I saying all this? I'll just get into the Word. Joshua. Maybe in Joshua chapters 3 and 4, and, and, and again, talk about vision, right? Joshua followed Moses. Moses had vision, right? What was his vision? I'm not saying Moses had direction, but I'm saying that Moses had vision. He knew where he was going, even though it took him a long time to get there, right? God called them up out of Egypt to go to where? To Canaan, the land that he promised. Moses absolutely had vision. 
Moses then appoints Joshua to lead his people. So Joshua has vision. And the best part about Joshua is the last 40 years don't matter now because he's got somewhere to go. Right? He's got something to do. And so Joshua is absolutely a leader with, with vision. He's following Moses. Uh, the people are ready, uh, but they've just got to cross this river, which is at flood stage, in order for them to go where God wants them to be. How many want to be where God wants them to be? That's vision, right? I want to go where God's leading me. And so Joshua is, is divinely appointed. And I love looking at leaders and I love looking at their leadership style. And I think there's something about Joshua's leadership style that, that resonated with my heart. I'm going to pray and then I'm going to read the word of God. God, I thank you for your word this morning. And I thank you for vision and I thank you for hindsight. And I thank you for God this moment to remember this day. God, I pray for your anointing upon your word. God, I pray this word would be alive before us. As we look at the word of God, we see the power of your word and God that that you help us. I pray for our hearts and minds that they would be in line with you. I pray against distractions. I pray against the things that would confuse us this morning. But I pray, Holy Spirit, your clarity in your word. God, for me as a pastor, as I speak your word, I pray complete submission unto you that only what you desire would come forth. That your will would be accomplished in this place in Jesus' name. So Joshua has vision. And Joshua knows where he needs to go. But the problem is there's a river that's flooded. So what does he do? So when the people, this is Joshua chapter 3, they broke camp to cross the Jordan. And the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during the harvest, yet as soon as the priests carried the ark, reached the Jordan, and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan. While the water was flowing down to the Sea of Arabah, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. Verse 17, the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenants uh, of, of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground. But all Israel passed by until the whole nation had complete, completed the crossing on dry ground. Now what's happening? I mean, we read this and it's crazy. Joshua is leading a people with vision. He's got 20-20 vision. He knows where he's going. He's got somewhere to be. And on the course of where they're going, something rather remarkable happened. Huh? I don't know about you. Carrying an Ark of the Covenant, we step and all of a sudden we watch the water pile. What does that even mean? The water piled up. And then somebody had a giant shop back because, because the ground was dry. Or they had like a giant blower. I mean, I don't know what happened. But they stood in the middle of, of, of the river that was, that was stopped up. And the entire nation walked through on dry ground. Now, who's going to forget that? 
I mean, seriously, like, hey, yeah. Remember that time? Well, what are you talking about? Like, who forgets walking on dry ground? Who forgets watching priests carry an ark and watch waters heap up? That the entirety of the nation could walk through on dry ground. Who forgets that? I mean, let's just keep going where we're going, right? I mean, they've been wandering for 40 years to get to the promised land. If there was ever a time to run, it was now. The last obstacle in the way was gone. Nothing was stopping them from, from watching the fulfillment of the vision. I mean, at that point, Joshua needs to rally the troops and say, let's go. We got some momentum. We're all super stoked. We just experienced a dry ground. Let's run. I guarantee you, if Joshua says run at that point, they're running over each other. I mean, how excited can you, can, I mean, I, I can't even fathom what's going on in their hearts and minds at this point. If a pastor ever wanted to seize, like, momentum moving forward, now is the time. And Joshua does something weird. Joshua, I mean, again, I'm pastor. I've read the books. I know how you're supposed to lead. I know we we need to seize momentum. I know that momentum brings momentum, and we can continue the ball moving. We got the ball rolling. Let's keep this dude rolling until we get to where we're going. There's nothing that stands in our way. The people are excited. They just are on an an emotional high. They have to be because they've just watched God do something absolutely incredible. Let's go. what I think every leadership book is going to tell us, but Joshua chapter 4. On the tenth day of the first month, the people went up from the Jordan and camped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho, and Joshua set up at Gilgal the twelve stones they had taken out of the Jordan. So, So picture this, and I didn't read this part. It's earlier in chapter 4. As they come across, the entire nation walks across the Jordan on dry ground. Joshua, instead of saying, let's go, he says, hey, stop for a second. And I need a leader from each tribe. Remember, there's 12 tribes. I need one of you to walk out back on the dry ground and pick up a stone from the middle of the river. You want me to do what? I mean, we're going now. Like, we've been through that. We walked through there. Let's go. Joshua says, no, wait. I need a leader from each tribe to go grab a stone out of the middle of the river. Why? In verse 21, he said to the Israelites, in the future, when your descendants ask their parents, what do these stones mean? Tell them Israel crossed the Jordan on the dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you. Until you had crossed over, the Lord your God did to the Jordan what he'd done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know. They might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful. And so that you might always fear the Lord your God. Joshua, in his leadership, said, hey, we've got to stop. Everything in us says, let's go. Every, every sermon series says, we crossed the river on dry ground. Now we, 
Now we go take the promised land. I mean, that's where we're supposed to be. But Joshua said, in my leadership, in listening to the voice of God, no stop. This is a divine moment. And I want you to go pick up a stone. I want you to go back on that ground that we just crossed. Walk back. Pick up a stone and carry it. Because at some point, someone's going to need to remember what God has done. You see, I said we're good at vision. We're good at moving forward. We're good at going on. But so many times I think we're so focused on where we're going that we lose sight of what God has done. The calendar year turns like 2019. It's in the book. Who cares? Like now we're looking at what's next. good at remembering. I believe, and maybe I'm crazy, I believe that God's done some pretty incredible things in your lives in the last year. You might not say I've walked on dry ground, but man, I've watched God move in miraculous ways. But we're not good at remembering. We're good at moving forward. We're good, at, we're good at pressing on. Now, Now, get me. I'm not saying stay in 2019. I get it. I've been in the churches, and they were good in 1980, and they haven't moved on from 1980, if you know what I'm saying. But when God does something, it's important to take that sensory moment and make it a long-term memory. It's important that we're intentional about recognizing what God is doing Because, guess what? Yeah, they're going to the promised land, right? So everything's going to be great. I mean, they got these giant things of grapes that that two men have to carry. I mean, everything's going to be wonderful, right? No, they're going to get there and they're going to face some giants. They're going to have some battles. There's going to be some struggles. And they're going to need to remember what God has done. Psalm chapter 46. Says God is our refuge and strength, the very present help in trouble. That sounds great. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change, and though the mountains slip into the heart of sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake at the swelling of its pride. And there's this little word, Shila. La. We can move on. We wonder, people have, have debated, like, why? What is this? And, 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 and even in some of the newer translations of pro, or, or, or the Psalms, they pulled this word out of even, even the way they're translating. But, but these, were psalms, these were songs of praise that they were singing. I mean, a song, you're not supposed to stop, right? And when I'm singing a song, if you stop, I'm really uncomfortable. But when they sang these songs, they put this word in there, that basically meant to those who were, who were hearing or reading or singing, they were supposed to stop and think. Like pause and, and reflect. We're good at going. We're good at moving forward. I don't know how good at times we are at this 
Let's just stop and think. It says, God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change, and though it's the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, though it's, its waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake at its swelling pride. Stop and think. God is our refuge and strength. How have I experienced that? How have I how have I seen that? You see, I mean, I get it. We're like doing the Bible in a year and all those things, and so we just want to finish the chapter. But how much do we miss? We don't take time to just stop and think. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy dwelling places of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She will not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations made an uproar. The kingdoms tottered. He raised his voice and the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Stop and think. God is with you. That moment where you knew you might have been frightened, you might have been scared, you might not have known what was coming next, but you had this overwhelming sense of peace and you didn't know really where it was coming from. But the reality was in that moment the promise of Emmanuel was being made real in your life because God was with you. Not only was he with you, but he was your place of security in the midst of your enemies. He was the stronghold that the enemy could not come through. Come, behold the works of the Lord, who has wrought desolations in the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariots with, with, with fire. Cease striving and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Just stop. Breaks the bow. He'll be exalted. He will. He won. Hindsight, it's, it's 2020. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Be careful to follow every command I'm giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land promised 
on Ophir ancestors. Verse 2 starts with this word, remember. What are we remembering? What's, what's he telling them to remember? Remember your need. Remember how the Lord, your God, led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble you, to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. Remember what he did. Remember how he humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which you, neither you nor your ancestors has known to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. Your clothes did not wear out and your feet did not swell during these 40 years. Remember what God did. Know in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Remember. I mean, seriously, who's going to forget the man that showed up in the morning? Who's going to forget that my, my shoes didn't wear out after 40 years of wandering? But God is saying, remember. Don't, don't forget. What I'm compelled with as a pastor this morning, what I feel like God wants us to do before we, we, get, we get moving forward or rushing ahead is to remember. Don't forget what God did in your life. Don't forget what he's been doing in your life this last year. I mean, it's so easy to run on. I mean, how tempting is the promised land when you're there? Stop. Pause. Reflect. Go pick up a stone so you won't forget. Not only so you won't forget, but your kids. Can I say that God's done something in your life? that your kids and your grandkids don't need to forget? I'm going to say that again because that's pretty powerful. Can I say that God's done something in your life that you need to remember so that your kids and grandkids know the character of how good God truly is and what God has absolutely done in your life? Don't forget Remember what he's done for the land your God is bringing you to. You into is a good land, a land with brooks, streams, and deep springs gushing out into the valleys and hills. Remember what he's promised. A land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive and honey. A land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing. A land where the rocks and iron, where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of your hills. Why, Joshua? Why stop? Why build a statue? Because God knows how easily we forget. I'm a man, so I'll say this. I don't remember very well. Drive my wife crazy. She'll talk about something we did, and I'll look at her like I wasn't there, and that was on a movie or something. I don't know if I'm the only guy, but I mean... 
the reality is, is it takes discipline to remember. A, a colleague, a friend, I would consider him in ministry, uh, he was the assistant, or he currently is the assistant superintendent of our state. Gary Hoyt, if you've ever talked to him, uh, he, pastored, he pastored, he just resigned a church in Omaha and Bellevue. And I, I remember when he first met my wife, and they were introducing each other. And, and so you know, he said, hi, I'm Gary, and she said, I'm Tamara. And he's like, Tam, Tamara, 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 Tam, Tam, Tamara, Tamara. And Tam was like, what in the world just happened? But he knows he doesn't remember very well. And so when he meets someone, he repeats their name to them several times. Because he knows he needs discipline to remember. And you know the value that comes when someone remembers your name? Me, I'll meet you, and then I'll meet you again, and then I'll ask someone to go say hi to you so I can hear what your name is, so I can act like I remembered your name. I mean, that's like my strategy. Joshua recognized the importance for discipline in remembering. David, when he wrote the Psalms, put that word in there because he knew that we needed to just take a moment and stop and think. He knew that we needed this discipline of remembering. Now, let me tell you something. Now, now I want to ask a question, and, and maybe it's loaded now, and maybe, maybe you're going to be afraid to answer, but we've all heard the story of Noah, right? We went to the ark while we were back in Kentucky, this giant boat, we actually walked on the ark. I mean, you can say I'm crazy, but it was a life-size ark that we walked on while we were there. And you hear the story of Noah. And God did something at the end of the story. What did he do for Noah after he brought them off of the boat? And he was talking about his promise. He put something in the sky. What was it? Why did God put a rainbow in the sky? Why did God... It was, it was a part of that, yeah. Why, why did he put it in the sky? To remind us. That's what I think we think. Now, I want to read this. I did that loaded on purpose. I'm telling you, we need discipline to remember. John, Genesis chapter 9. I want to read this. And God said, This is the sign of the covenant I'm making between me and you and every living creature with you. It's a covenant for all generations to come. That's us too, Okay. I have set my rainbow in the clouds, and it will be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Whenever the clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears, whenever I bring clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears in those clouds, verse 15. Huh? I will. Not you will. You see that? I don't know why the, the omniscient, the all-knowing God has to put a reminder out there so that He will remember. We think it's for us, and yes, it absolutely is for us to remember as well, but God said, every time I bring a cloud and I put that rainbow in the clouds, I will remember my covenant between me and you and all living creatures of every kind. And never again Will the waters become a flood to destroy all life? Whenever the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and all living creatures of every kind on the earth. Let me tell you, if God needs a reminder, I probably need a reminder. 
I'm sure there's theology in this that can God forget? I'm guessing not. Maybe he just did that for us so that we would have a pattern to follow. But I know it was very intentional that when God placed that rainbow, he said, I'll put that there so every time I see it, I remember. If God can build, build rainbows, then maybe we need to build some stone towers. This morning, and I don't know how this is going to work. I want everyone to get an index card. If you've got a pen, pull it out. If not, then borrow one. If you don't want to write, that's fine. But I'm telling you, sometimes it takes discipline to remember. And I genuinely believe, you know, every year we start with these, these resolutions. Some people do, and I can preach this now because we've all probably broken them by now. Like we weren't going to eat sugar, and all of a sudden we ate a lot of sugar or whatever. You know, we were in Kentucky, and it was kind of funny because it's been a little while since we've been back. About a year, I guess, a little over a year. And the one day someone walked in, and I believe they were talking to Elliot, right? And they called him Graham. They walked up, and, and they saw Elliot, and they were convinced Elliot was Graham because they hadn't seen how much he changed. They were still looking for a baby to be called Elliot. Megan did that. That was here. She called Graham Levi. There's the story. I knew I'd get it right somehow. She came to our house, and she saw Graham and was convinced he was Levi. There we go. That's the story. That's the truest story. The point's the same either way. She's been gone for a year, 18 months, whatever it was, 16 months. And Graham had changed so much. For us, it seems foolish to confuse Levi for Graham because, well, we've been watching him. Like, we don't see the change. Like, what? For someone else. You know, when we're back in Kentucky and people see our kids, they're like, wow, how much have they changed? No, they haven't. I mean, seriously, like, I think they're crazy. I've been watching them. I've been walking with them. They're not changed at all. They're never going to grow up and leave my house. You know what I'm saying? Like, Sometimes we don't remember. And this morning I believe that God just wants us to just pause and reflect for a moment. I want you to think about the last year. If we have to pick one, it can be more than that, it can be less than that. I'm not worried, I'm not going to check this, I'm not going to give you a grade on it. But I just want you to think about what has God done? What rivers has he brought you through? What dry ground have you walked on? You know, I talk about my kids and I talk about their growth. How much have I grown?
Yeah, we're not where we're going. Yeah, he's still taking us somewhere with olives and honey, it sounds like, and grapes and copper ground. I don't know. He's taking us somewhere. There still is vision to talk about. There still is direction. There still is. We're not arrived. You know, what was interesting was they built this tower, but they didn't stay there, right? They did move on. What has God done in your life? I want you to stop and think, and and in a moment when you're ready, Walt, you can just play some light music in the background. If you want to take a moment to write, you can too, because I'm going to as well. But, But what has God been doing? I knew what I was preaching, and I still haven't done this yet for myself. And you might say, well, well, there was, a bunch of, there was a bunch of garbage that happened in my life, and I fell, and I failed, and whatever else, and I changed. And I, well, that, stop and remember. Right? God was with you in the midst of it all. He sent His Son for you in the midst, while we were still sinners, he sent his son to die for us. Even if it was a failure, even if it was a fault, the, 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 the pause and reflect is the reality of God's faithfulness in the midst of that. He did not leave you or forsake you. He has not chosen to allow you to be defeated. He still will bring victory in your life. You might, you might say, well, I didn't make it as far as I wanted. You know, the one, the one thing on change that I like to think of is crazy horse. Some of us change like crazy horse. I swear that monument hasn't changed in the 10 years I've been here. Right? I mean, you might say that's where I'm at, but I guess they do blast every day, so it's changing. Stop and think for a moment. Pause and reflect. What has God done? When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you, and put them down in this place where you'll stay tonight. When Joshua set those twelve stones up, in the future, he said, when your descendants ask their parents, what do these stones mean? Tell them Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. Because God did something. He did it so, so that, that peoples of the earth might know. You know this morning, I, I got some stones. You can take one with you if you want. But I just bought them because cause I want them to be a reminder. That when you see that rock, you remember what, what God did. And when you see that stone, it's a reminder to you. And then when someone else sees that rock and they say, Man, what a strange rock. Because God was with me. Because God transformed me. It's because God showed himself to me. It's because I, I felt his love and I knew his love. It's because I remember that that that, that was the time where, where where it all started to become real, like everything was was deeper. That was the time that I desperately needed God to 
he showed up. It was the time I heard his voice for the very first time. That was the season that he took my, my chaotic world and, and put it in order. So this morning, I, you had, they had to go to where the priest stood. Did you notice that? So I'm going to put these rocks up here where I stood. And I'm going to ask that before you go, you take a rock. You take a stone and you put it somewhere so you don't forget. Maybe it can be your rainbow so that you'll remember what God has done. Amen? I'm going to pray. Father, I thank you this morning for what you've done. God, I thank you that you are a God who has moved, that you are a God who has done incredible things. And that at times, God, that that we may be so looking forward that we forget to stop and think. And I pray that this morning it's just a good reminder to us to pause and reflect, to stop and think about what you've done. And God, I pray, Holy Spirit, as you bring to remembrance the things we've done. If there's some of us in this room and we say, I don't even know why I'm picking up a rock because I don't remember anything. Holy Spirit, I pray that you reveal what the rocks truly represent. God, I pray that that we would be good at remembering. Remembering who you are, remembering what you've done, remembering how you did it, so that, that not just our lives, but our children and grandchildren's lives would be transformed by what you've done in us and through us. It's in Jesus' name. The Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he turn his face towards you and grant you his peace. And may you be good at remembering. Amen? Be blessed.